As we think about uh, the, the sentence I heard this week, I, it has just resonated with, with my mind uh, since Monday. And, and the quote is this, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Now, this was not penned from a, a pastor writing in his easy chair uh, in, in his study somewhere. And it was not preached from a pulpit with uh, uh, an air-conditioned room and, and padded pews. Instead, this quote was shared by Corey Tin Boom. Some of you may remember her story or the book called The Hiding Place. She was in a Christian Dutch family that during the Holocaust hid Jews. Their family hid Jewish people during the Holocaust and they were caught out. And her and her sister in 1944 were taken and put in Ravensbrück concentration camp. And there in Ravensbrück concentration camp, ultimately her sister Betsy died. Just over two weeks later, she was released at what they later defined as a clerical error. But she was released, and the Lord used her uh, as she got out. And again, many of us have read the book, The Hiding Place. It's been a long time, probably, for some of us since we have read it. But that thought, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. As we think in the last few weeks have thought about the countdown and the things that Paul has told us was going to happen at the end of times, today we turn our attention to Jesus and we begin to think about the signs of Christ's coming. So take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to pick up in verse number 3, read down through verse number 8, and then pick up again in verse number 14. Matthew chapter 24, pick up with me in verse number three. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They want to know. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of war. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then jump down with me to verse number 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And with that, let's pray together. And Lord, we do ask that uh, you would move today and that you would speak to us today. God, show us the truth that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew chapter 24, we, we pick up kind of mid-context. 
Because in Matthew chapter 23, we find that Jesus has just issued woe statements, statements of woe or judgment to the scribes and Pharisees. And as you read Matthew 23, we find woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, repeated, repeated, repeated. And then Jesus closes out Matthew 23 and remember that the Chapters and verses were added later for our convenience. This is not the way it was written, but in Matthew 23, as it closes out, Jesus is there lamenting over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have longed to gather you together as a mother hen gathers his chicks. I was here for your protection and your provision and your salvation, but instead you turned away. And then Matthew 24, as he opens up and he begins to talk about the temple and how there won't be one stone left on another. And he prophesies that the temple will be destroyed. And sure enough, in about 70 AD, we find that the temple was completely decimated. Jesus has this prophecy that takes place in just 40 uh, years. But then the disciples say, well, what about your coming? What about the end of the age? What are we to look for? And then Jesus lays out pictures that are going to happen uh, at the time of his coming. Now, notice these are the beginning of sorrows, as he mentions in verse number eight. The picture is is like birth pains that get worse and and more uh, intense. The longer and the closer you are to the delivering of a baby, he's saying, look, It's going to get more challenging and it's going to get more difficult until that day that I ultimately show up. Now, I believe when he talks about the second coming that this is something after the tribulation. So we find that what's going to happen, I believe, is things are going to get more challenging, but there's going to be a day of rapture when the church is taken from the earth and then tribulation will break forth. But not everybody holds to that belief. And if you don't, that's that's fine. But what we do know is that life is going to get more difficult and more challenging until Jesus comes and Jesus gives the signs of the times. Now, notice with me as we think about the signs of the times and what they are. First off, in verse number four, he challenges them and says, don't be deceived. Wake up. Know the truth. I think somebody last week said, read your Bible. Okay, just a reminder, read your Bible, know the truth. Take heed that you're not deceived. And then Jesus begins in verse number five, and he tells us that first sign of the time that there will be false teaching. Notice with me in verse number five, he says, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Notice down in verse number 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Here he talks about false Christs. In verse number 11, he talks about false prophets. There will be a lot of religious deception. These are the same things that are echoed throughout 1 Timothy 4, 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 4, that Paul says that in these last days, there's going to rise up false teaching and false prophets in the world that is around us. They're going to give a picture, I'm okay, you're okay, as long as you're sincere. There's not one way, there's many ways to God, and everything else and every other bag of tricks there, they're going to come and offer that, and Jesus says, says, don't be deceived. False teaching. But not only will there be false teaching, notice uh, next with me that he says in verse number six, and you will hear of wars and rumors of war. And he says, 
uh, don't be troubled. Verse number seven, he says, nation's going to rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Even right now, there are some 40 active conflicts that are going on in, in our world. And we know places in uh, the Middle East are, are always in some form of havoc. And there's Gaza lobbing bombs into Israel and Israel then responding back. And we know in places like Afghanistan and Syria and Yemen and through the northern and, and central part of of Africa. There's all kinds of wars. And then we look at even have to introspect and look at our own nation right now and see that we are a nation that is very divided. We are very divided in our beliefs. And as a matter of fact, in one time, just a few years back, if you were a Republican Democrat, you could at least agree with each other and be agreeable and understanding. Now you got to hate each other. So, so the picture is, is there's going to be this conflict, this rise of conflict. When there's no Jesus, there's no peace. That's the picture. And when we look to government and when we look to, to our military for the answers, we will never experience peace. He says there will be wars and rumors of war. Then next, he says that there's going to be famine. It's interesting as we look across the landscape where we live today, most of us live uh, somewhat comfortably and uh, we have had breakfast this morning and we drove in a church and we sit on a padded pew and, and yet one out of nine people across our world live on less than $2 a day. And we th- see things across the, the globe happening and, and we see uh, across especially places of, of Af- Af- northern and Af- uh, central Africa and we see places like uh, Haiti. Our family sponsors a child in Haiti to make sure that this child gets food and, and education. Th- there is this, this challenge going around, and, and Jesus is saying, it is going to get worse before I come. He says not only is there going to be famines, but he says that there's also going to be earthquakes. Notice with me in verse number 7, he says that there's going to be earthquakes in various places. As of Monday, I looked, there were over 930 earthquakes that had taken place that registered a 4.0 or higher on the Richter scale. Last weekend, if you saw the news, there was an earthquake in Greece and Turkey that killed 27 people. Yesterday in uh, in Alaska, just outside of Anchorage, there was one that was either 5.0 or 5.1. I read conflicting reports on that. And way down in Festus DeSoto area, Missouri, there was a 2.1 uh, earthquake yesterday. So, hey, they're getting closer. So anyway, just, just a quick reminder, we do live on the New Madrid Fault and, uh, you know, uh, our, our world. But as we get in, as you read Revelation 6 through 19, we find all kinds of ecological disasters taking place during this time of tribulation. And so you would think that during these times of desperation and war and famine and earthquake, that people would cry out to God and they would long and look for God and his work and his salvation. And yet we often find the very opposite because these last times will be times marked with persecution. Notice with me in verse number nine, then they'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will not be offended. They'll betray one another, and they will hate one another. We looked last year. 
what they have on record is about 3,000 Christians being martyred for their faith. 9,500 church buildings or church sites being destroyed. Listen, we have eight people every day murdered for following Christ. That's the, and these are just the documented cases that we know about. For some, 260 million people across the world, if they say they're following Jesus, they are in a treacherous place. They are in a dangerous place to proclaim the, the message of the gospel and to, to show and share a belief in Jesus because of uh, religious or political systems that seek to shut down the message of the gospel. Persecution is going to come. As I shared last week, for many of us, we may not see uh, someone come in and put a gun to our head, but people may hate us. People may persecute us. But across our world, it is dangerous in many places to be a believer, to go against the flow of society or to go against the flow of politics. And then notice with me in verse number 12, there will be lawlessness. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We looked in 2 Timothy 3 last week, or two weeks ago, how men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, and not lovers of God. And to love self and to put yourself on the throne and to put money first and foremost in your life and to pursue pleasure at all costs of anyone around you means that you do not love God. I find it amazing that in Isaiah 49, the Lord gives the picture that I won't forget you, that I, as a, as a mother, won't forget a nursing child, and I have inscribed your name upon my, my hands. And yet, we find the hearts of mothers and fathers abusing, hurting, killing their unborn child even. We see all lawlessness around us from the news and you know, it was always uh, one of these horrific things as you, as I, I used to watch 10 o'clock news, I don't watch anymore. I can't, I can't sleep after watching all the things. And the number of murders and the rioting and the, and the looting and the, the, the lawlessness just in our country alone, just in our community alone. And as we think, he gives the picture that not only will we have no peace without Christ, but when we don't know love this way, we'll never be able to fully express love this way. And love will grow cold. Lawlessness. But Jesus didn't stop there. And I'm glad he didn't. Because we see these signs of the times and we think, oh man, this is just terrible. I mean, what, what are we to do? But pick up with me in verse number 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Jesus has a final thought here as he kind of comes to the end of this paragraph. 
that there is hope in the message of the gospel and that this gospel message will be preached. So we see the signs of the times are given, but then we see the hope for the world is shared. And Jesus gives this picture. Listen, there may be governments that persecute. There may be those that fight against, but Jesus says this gospel will be preached to all nations until I come. We have an unstoppable gospel because the Lord has said this will be preached until I come. So understand that the hope of the world is not found in in loving self and loving money and, and loving pleasure. The hope of the world is found when we as believers say, we've got to share this with somebody. We've got to let somebody know. So he says in verse 14 that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. So we see and think that the gospel and recognize that the gospel is powerful. (laughs) It is unstoppable. It, It is not going to be quenched. That the Lord says this gospel is going to be preached until he comes. They may close down churches. They may persecute believers. They may burn down buildings, but the gospel will be preached. It may be preached by a small remnant. There may be a day when we're down to Noah and his family, but the message is the gospel will be preached. It's powerful. So that in Romans 1.16, Paul would say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to us Gentiles, or it says the Greeks. The picture is, is the gospel is powerful and it will be preached. The gospel also is universal. The picture is, is that this gospel is going to be preached throughout the world because this message is the world's only hope. We're not going to find hope in government. We're not going to find hope in, in some sense of a political leader to rise up, though I believe in the last day one will, and he will deceive many, and he will stand and rule and reign as the Antichrist upon the earth. But we find that the true hope for the world is found in Jesus, and God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. He says that this gospel is going to be preached, notice, to all or in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And the picture is, is that every man and every woman, every teenager and boy and girl, one day as they stand before the Lord will have to give an account because of the gospel being shared through the world. The end is going to come. Jesus is coming. But the gospel is going to be preached the gospel that changes lives and is powerful, the gospel that touches the nations and is universal. But I want us to think for a few minutes this morning on how the gospel is personal. The gospel is personal. So as we think about the gospel being uh, something for us as individuals, that the gospel is something that for each one of us as individuals, we need to interact with. We need to get into 
God's word. We need to understand that the gospel, even though you may know, hey, the gospel is Christ died for my sin and and was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scripture. You may know what the gospel is and and have an understanding of the death and resurrection of Christ, but the message of the, the full counsel of God, the whole gospel of Jesus coming and Jesus showing and Jesus rising and Jesus working in us, to bring victory and to bring uh, a sense of light into a dark world. I want us to think about the gospel and our challenges as we move into 2021 in particular. As we think about that gospel, first off, I want us to think about gospel interaction. Gospel interaction. I want to challenge you this year. Some of you have done this many years. Some of you have read the Bible through many years in a row. But I want to challenge all of you this year to read through the New Testament. And there's something that I'm, we're, we're just beginning to work on right now. We're getting the instruments together to work on that. But as you read through the 260 chapters of the New Testament, my, my goal right now and my plan is, as we're putting everything together, is that every day for about 60 to, to one minute to two minutes, about 90 seconds to, to 120 seconds, a minute and a half to two minutes, I'm going to give you a quick overview of every chapter in the New Testament so that I can say, hey, as you open your Bible to Matthew 1, it starts with genealogies. Oh, genealogies, most of the time those kind of seem boring to you. I understand that. But notice what God did in the genealogies, and we're going to preach this in just a few weeks, but, but notice who's there, Tamar and Rahab and, and, and Ruth and the wife of Uriah, Bathsheba, and Mary. Notice Notice that. And then as you look in, in, in Matthew chapter 1, notice his name is Jesus. He'll save his people from their sin. And his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Just a short little something so that you'll have, you, you'll have be on point and say, yeah, this is something I need to be looking for. I was talking with someone recently and they said, you know, I've read through the Bible, but, but I didn't really know what to look for. And there were a lot of times I walked away and I didn't fully understand. So our goal is, is that you can tap onto our podcast and, and you can begin to, to read uh, every day, just along, along with me and along with you, and we'll do this together so that by the end of next year, every one of us will have read the New Testament together. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's have that gospel interaction in our own heart and in our own life. Then as we think about gospel interaction and, and, and reading the New Testament, then we think about uh, also uh, Bible study classes. I want to just, again, highlight that again to you. Bible study classes are important where you can get in and interact with brothers and sisters in Christ. And then I didn't share this this morning uh, in the announcements because I didn't want to spoil it before my sermon. But uh, also we have a, a new app uh, for our, our church. And you can go, don't do it now, okay? But, but later this afternoon, uh, take, take your bulletin home with you and, and look and you can pick up on just staying connected. If you, if you need to hear a sermon again, then watch it again. You can go right to the app and, and it tells you how to do it and all there. We'll, we'll give you some more info and in that in the coming, coming weeks. There's gospel interaction. But secondly, I, I want to challenge us in the area of gospel conversation for 2021. Gospel conversation. That if we really believe that the hope of the world is the message of the gospel, then, then can we share with one person? Can, can you go into 2020 and say, Lord, would you give me one? So we're going to think about who's your one. Is there one person 
in 2021 that you can share the gospel with? Is there one family that you can seek to reach and begin to pray for and say, Lord, would you just give me one? Would you give me one family? Would you give me opportunities just to impact one? Now, you may have four or five on that list, and I would say, hey, man, the more the merrier. But but the, the picture is, is would you pray specifically, God, give me one. Maybe there's one family member that you have. Maybe there's one neighbor in, in your neighborhood. Maybe you, you work in Connect Ministry and there's one family in Connect and the Lord's just laid them on your heart and, and he's called you more than just to smile and, and hand out uh, uh, some food a, a every month or so. But, but instead, why don't you invest some time and some energy? Would you just do that to reach one? Then gospel focus. Again, our Bible study is going and, and we're thankful for that and our Kids City worship is going and a kids country preschool is going. But as we think about gospel focus, man, I'm praying in January. And again, I know COVID numbers are high and we're going to be careful with this. But I just believe that we've got to touch this next generation. So I'm praying that God allows Awana to open back up in, in January. And when Awana opens back up, the, the whole message is, let's teach boys and girls the gospel. Let's get God's word hidden in their heart. Let's make an impact for uh, the kingdom in their young, moldable heart. Then we turn around and we move to the other end of the spectrum for, for maybe some of you. Uh, not only something for our kids, but what about something for our adults? And what about for those who in particularly are hurting? And we're thinking about grief share over the next few weeks and then the surviving the holidays that we're going to have come up? What is the, the reason that we want to have surviving the holidays? And what's the reason that we want to begin grief share in February? Because we know that God can heal and he can bring strength. And there's hurts sometimes that no one in the whole wide world may understand but you where you are right now. But I want you to know, Psalm 105, remember, remember it says, he sent his word and healed them. <laughs> it's powerful. So, surviving the holidays in a couple weeks, grief share will begin, Lord willing, in, in February. And then we turn around, and we still, many of you have been through Life Coach. And, and I just want to encourage you, is there someone, one person, or maybe someone's here today and they say, you know, I don't feel very strong in my faith, and, and how can I grow stronger in my daily uh, life and in my devotions and my discipline? Maybe you need to, to say write in and say, hey, man, I, I need life coach. I need a discipleship plan. I need to grow. Many of us have been through it, and, and there are some who would say, I will love, I'd love to take somebody through it. Don't forget, that tool is there. It's helping to share the good news. But then I also today, as we uh, think about that, not only think about us personally here in some of these areas, but you have a role in the world missions movement as well. And this fall, again, our plan is to offer the class perspectives and its perspectives on the, the world missions movement. It reminds us that every one of us has a role in sharing the gospel to the nations. That all of us can do something. That we can be giving, going, praying, encouraging. That we can, and so this fall, we're going to have a class called mission uh, called perspectives it is a global missions emphasis class and how you can be involved and how you can hear about what god's doing in the world hey we want gospel focus god has a world-sized vision for all of us but god has a personal vision for your life as well 
Then I want us to also think about the area of gospel stewardship. Gospel stewardship. One of the things that we're going to do this year as we step in, and, and very few outside of our staff even know this at this point, but we, for 2021, have purchased a site license from Dave Ramsey, Ramsey Solutions, that is called Ramsey Plus. And we want all of our, especially our younger couples and younger families, to have the opportunity to have access to all the financial peace videos. You'll also have uh, uh, access to all of the budgeting uh, videos. For those of you who are maybe kind of past that, there's a set of legacy journey videos that you could watch as well. There are two apps, one that tracks your debt, and there's another app that helps you to keep your budget. We just believe that 1 Corinthians 4.2 says that those of us who are stewards of what God has entrusted to us are to be found faithful. And so that if we live uh, in, in such a way now, uh, like no one else, then ultimately our goal is to live and to give like no one else in the future. I, I don't know about you, but uh, man, I, I, I want to be a good steward of what God has entrusted me to. Right now I'm walking through uh, Financial Peace University with a group of 10 pastors from, from different areas. I got a uh, very urban, uh, bivocational pastors. I've got uh, pastors St. Louis, Kansas City, uh, Columbia, Springfield, uh, Boondocks. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I've, I've got, there, there's lots, lots of different places. And the picture is, is all of us need to be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. And so this December, you uh, will receive an email uh, with a link on it that you can go click on that link and sign in and have access to all of the Ramsey videos that, that he has on his Ramsey Plus website right now. It's important uh, to understand about being a good steward. But then that only, not only applies to us as individuals, but I think that applies to us as a church as well. And specifically, we think about this, and, and hang with me. Uh, we owe money on the cube. So the cube next door, uh, we owe about $652,000. And I'm going to throw a big challenge at us today. I would love to see the cube paid off by Easter. Yeah, I heard a woo. <laughs> now I'm going to give you some, some details on how that's going to happen. Everybody's guarding their wallet thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, you know, he's coming after us. Uh, you don't have to have the big one yet, okay? Elizabeth, you don't have to come home yet, okay? Uh, we have just had a tremendous gift come in. I mean a tremendous gift that has been designated to debt. That gift is $320,000 that have been given, been given to us to pay off debt. So, after the 652 and the 320, we have $332,000 as our new balance. So, here's our challenge. We have a legacy fund. And the legacy fund, several hundred thousand dollars was given to us a few years back. And that legacy fund, the person that gave that really didn't like debt either. So, this is what we are going to do. We are going to pray and smile and be generous and joyful givers... And if we will give $75,000, then out of the legacy fund, we will do a three-to-one match. That means if you give $100, the legacy fund will kick in 
$300 for a total gift of $400. And can I tell you, our first $1,400 was paid for because someone wrote a check this past week, and they said, uh, just wrote it in, and they said, whatever Pastor Buddy wants it to be used for. And so I told Denise, I said, all right, let's let that be the first gift to our legacy fund so that $350 was added with another 350 350 350 and became $1,400. Listen, we can do this, and we have months to do this. And so I want to encourage you, as you just think and pray over the next few weeks, if we can give $75,000, then we, out of the legacy fund, will match up to $225,000. Now, if we get $80,000, we're still only going to match $225,000, but we have future plans. And then we're going to leave a balance of about $32,000, which will be met by our regular mortgage payments over the next few uh, months. So let me encourage you. Hey, this is attainable. This is doable. We, We can really, really do this. And whatever you give is going to go four times into uh, ultimately paying off the debt. Now, I have good news in that it's going to be four times. The bad news is you don't get to take the four times off your taxes, okay? So, so don't, I know some of you are, are thinking I can do that already. But, but no, hey, what a tremendous gift and what an opportunity that we have to be good stewards as well. This is the gospel right here. As we think about being good stewards of that, ultimately, we recognize the cube down the road. Ultimately, we're going to begin looking at the possibility of, of moving a building a little closer. Obviously, we can't move that building, but maybe looking in the future of having a student building that's a little closer. And then also, uh, this year, we would like to do a little remodeling in here, the worship center and in the foyer as well. There's some future thoughts here. We started an I Love My Church, and we have money for the carpet out here. And, and, uh, but if you look around you, uh, this building is a 96-ish, so we're 25 years have been walking on, on this carpet. And so we're just praying, God, just allow us to spruce this place up. Why? Because we want people to come into a place that's well taken care of and looks nice, and they can hear the gospel. It's about our personal message. So let's, let's work together. And, and let's make a difference together as we think about the gospel and we think about the, the opportunity that is before us. We'll share a little bit more tonight as, as we're in our conference or this afternoon at conference at, at 4 o'clock. But we have the opportunity, and some of you have the opportunity, to truly make a difference. I love what one pastor friend said. He said, the light that shines the furthest shines the brightest at home. So let's make a real challenge. 2020, you know, nobody's going to be sad to close the door on this year. But uh, all of us are a little nervous to open the door for next year and wondering what it's going to be like. But our, I feel like we have a plan in place to move forward. We have the answer for the world. We have hope. And we have an opportunity. And can I tell you, this is all the time we got. Every day, a page of our life turns, and we get closer, not to the conclusion, but to the good part, okay? The best is truly yet to come. But this will be the only opportunity that you have to show the love of Jesus, to shine the light of Jesus 
in a world that's dark and full of sin. This is the only time that you have to make a difference and share the message of Jesus with those that are lost around you. When we get to heaven, we may share our testimonies, but we won't share them with lost people. But right now, you have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to make a difference. Right here, let's begin to shine that light brighter and brighter and brighter, and then let's shine it to the world. Let's remember Pastor Harry and Haiti and Hawina in India, and, and let's remember Dan and Kelly Butts now as they're facilitating missionaries uh, into, into Europe, and let's remember Chip and Karen and, and South Dakota, and let's remember right here our partnerships with Faith Community Bible Church in St. Louis and Bayless Baptist Church in St. Louis and True Life Community Church and, and the Church of St. Charles right here in, in the St. Charles area, and as we go and as we give and as we share We have a message to impact the world. And as you give, even just give to our church, 11% of that money, 9% goes out to put 3,500-plus missionaries on the field who saw this past year nearly 90,000 people come to know Jesus as their Savior. And you can have a part in that. And we do have a part in that. But let's be on mission together. And let's be intentional with the gospel. With that, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and uh, Lord, we're, we're challenged and we're blessed. So God, help us to live and be all that you want us to be. Help us to join you in the work that you desire to do. In the powerful and awesome name of your Son, who sits on the throne, who one day we will bow before and cast our crowns at his feet. Lord, may we all go with a friend, a family member with us, with a neighbor, with someone in our community, with someone that we've prayed for. May we, may we hold, the hand as, hold their hand as we go before the throne of Jesus and just be reminded that, Jesus, you are the one and only answer. How grateful we are to be on mission with you in the world. Lord, you could use rocks and trees and animals to share the message of the gospel, but you chose to use us. So help us to share that well and to steward our influence well in the name of Jesus.